Amen, church. I'm glad you're excited. I am too. Uh, there's a word that's just kind of on my heart. It's just off the back of last weekend, just seeing a church that responded. And we're going to tell you more about Heart for the House. We're not going to leave you hanging and wondering, what happened? Did we raise money? Did things change? Are we going to buy anything? Um, yes, this week we signed and shook hands on the deal for Land Next Door to Link Church. It has gone through. One of the three things we spoke about, and so I know the other two are well in motion, and your generosity has been exceptional, Link Church, absolutely exceptional. Um, we're giving time for, there are a few people that asked for a week or two just for them to give funds in some way that was more comfortable for them, and we just said yes. So we're going to give August as an opportunity for us to kind of tell you up where that's at, and then we'll celebrate that in August with you in case you're wondering where it all landed. It's going to be awesome. The title of my message is simply this, The World is looking for leaders. I had no idea how to say it in any other way. Normally I got a catchy phrase and a cool title and a tagline. And this week, and just in my spirit of last weekend, like last weekend I saw a church lead the way in generosity. I really did. I saw, I saw people step up to a moment that is against uh, human logic in this season. Uh, most people are talking about how things are not good. This is not a good time to sow. This is not a good time to invest. This is not a great time to put money in South Africa. And, uh, and last weekend, I saw a church deny the facts around us and choose faith inside us and lead. You did good, Link Church. You led the way in generosity. Tap your neighbor and say, you did good. And as I said, your leadership unlocks it in others, or your generosity unlocks it in others. And we had friends phone us from America, the UK, and actually gave in their foreign currencies, praise Jesus, Isaiah 61, currencies of foreign shores, but God is good and He's faithful. And uh, it was an amazing weekend. But it made me think a little bit about leadership. It made me realize that the world is looking for leaders. Andy Stanley says it so beautifully. He says, leaders aren't typically the first to see the opportunity. They're just the first to seize it, which is to say we're living in a world full of opportunity. Like uh, it doesn't matter where you live in the world, shout out to our online family, wherever you are, there's opportunity around us. There is almost endless opportunity. And, and so it's, it's not that leaders are the first to see it. Uh, we've, we've read about opportunities. Someone mentioned something and we thought, oh, that could be an exciting thing to do or be a part of. Or, but leaders seize opportunities. Last weekend, again, I'm going to keep saying, we seized an opportunity. We said yes to vision. We said yes to a narrative of the local church being the center of the city. And someone actually came and said to me, Dill, why do we buy land? We've got this big, beautiful building, and why would we need to buy more land? And I just, I just had to help them see that, like in my spirit, you know, churches are, are built and born, or born and built, and then cities grow up around them. And often over time, the city gets so big, it kind of consumes the story of the church. But in Ephesians 1.23, it says, the local church as he sees it is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. So cities don't grow up and consume churches. Churches grow up and dictate to the city the outcome of the city. That's how it should be. That is the story of God. And you know why? Because it's to the glory of God, not man. The church exists to the glory of God. And also I believe that as we buy land, it's as, as the north coast grows, as this area becomes bigger and more exciting and people move in from all over the, the planet actually, that the church continues to pioneer and grow and believe that they shape, and not just link all churches, shape the city in, in, in that way in God's, in God's eyes. And so we're excited for that. Amen. The world is looking for leaders. Turn with me to Daniel chapter six if you've got your Bibles. It is gonna come up on the screen. 
And as I was thinking about how Jerusalem is at the center of Israel, it shapes all of Israel. People would come back to Jerusalem and then they'd go and build their cities and back to Jerusalem for festivals and build their cities. And it's like, it's like coming to the church and, and receiving from God and then building what we're called to build and then coming back to church and taking the high ground, if you like, and getting full again and then going back to our lives and our families and our businesses and our societies and building. And Jerusalem's an amazing place. And so many times Jerusalem has been destroyed. So many times. And there are literally layers of rubble if you visit Israel. You can see the layers of the destruction over the years. It's a fascinating city. And every time it's destroyed, people come back, God's people come back, God gives them the city back, and they build it again, gets destroyed, and they build it again. And there's this kind of really cool idea, because often God's people will be sent away from Jerusalem when it's destroyed, and they'll be sent into exile. And yet what you notice in all of those stories is even though God's people are taken out of Jerusalem, Jerusalem never leaves the heart of God's people. It's this amazing God story that even though God's people are no longer in their safe place or in the holy place, the city of God, actually the holy place and the safety, the peace of God is still in them. Did you know that you can get exiled? and still enjoy everything God has for you wherever you're at? Can I say it in a different way? You can end up where you never wanted to be. You, you can go down a road or a journey, perhaps by your own decisions or by coincidence and life circumstance, and you can find yourself almost like in a no man's land. Like I, did, I didn't wanna be here in my family, in my marriage, in my business, I fill in the blanks. And yet even though you're far from the thing that you dream of, the dream is still in you. The God story is still in you. I actually just wanna speak courage into today, Link Church. I actually just wanna take a moment and look my family, my church in the eyes and say, come on, the God story is still in you. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. God is still at the center of who you are and what you're called to build. Can I get a loud amen? And so God's been showing me the story of Israel and people that stood out as they were exiled. And one such man is a man named Daniel. Daniel was part of an exile. He was kicked out of Jerusalem, his hometown. And yet Jerusalem was still in Daniel. It's kind of like Benoni, right? You can take people out of Benoni, but you can't take. You can move north from the bluff, but the bluff moves north with you. I give you a whole bunch of examples. I could talk about the bay, the bluff, Benoni, Boxburg, all the bees. It's just going to be awesome. But I want you to know that you know, God, our lives can end up where sometimes we didn't plan for them to be, but God can still show up and do something significant. In fact, that's often where he shows up and does something significant. So I wanna speak to people in the room today who are willing to give God permission to work in their circumstance. Daniel chapter six, the world is looking for leaders. It pleased Darius, Darius is king. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would not suffer loss. This is quite a cool thought. Daniel, king Darius is appointing leaders over his people so that the kingdom doesn't suffer loss. I kind of have to say this. I, I believe God is still appointing leaders over people so that not that we win, we will, that's a byproduct of serving him, but so that the kingdom doesn't suffer loss. God is 
giving influence to men and women in business so that the kingdom doesn't suffer loss in business. Amen. God is giving influence to men and women in social justice. Our foundation is one such story. There is influence coming upon our team so that the kingdom doesn't suffer loss. Not so that we do great things. That's the byproduct. So that the kingdom doesn't suffer loss. God is setting aside marriages in this season, as Mark said just now, and marriage was restored. That means someone in that marriage, something has happened to restore to that marriage dignity and influence and for that marriage so that the kingdom doesn't suffer loss in family. King Darius is a good king and he puts in place good people so that the kingdom of God doesn't suffer loss. The world is looking for leaders. The solution is God's anointing and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. And so the kingdom doesn't suffer loss. By the way, God doesn't want your world to suffer loss. And maybe there's a word in here for you today. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because of an excellent spirit that was in him. We're going to talk about an excellent spirit, the kind of spirit that is in the leaders the world is looking for today. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was a faithful man, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel. He's frustrating. He lives with a different spirit. I just paraphrased it. We find it against him concerning the law of God, unless we use this against him. Verse 6. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together. We've had a team meeting together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. It all sounds so noble. That whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, they make it sound like, so worthy, but they're saying, whoever prays to any God, it's a generic thing, but they know Daniel's faith. Except you, King Darius, any one of them shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 8, now, O king, establish this decree, sign in writing so it can be never, cha- never can be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Verse 10, now when Daniel knew that what was written was signed. He went home, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. Some things need to live on in us. No matter where we find ourselves, as was custom in the moment God rescued our lives and put his spirit inside us. And some of you, it's gonna be today that God starts that journey. But that thing, the early days, needs to stay true in us when things change around us. Daniel is in exile. He's been raised to a position of authority in the kingdom. He keeps interpreting dreams. He has this gift of interpreting dreams. And they've been true every time he's interpreted them. He's now under the third king. And this time around, they set him up because they don't like him. What's interesting is it says Daniel was put in position and power above what I read just now as satraps and governors. Some translations say presidents and princes. And when I was reading it, I was asking God, like, do you still do that, God? Like, do you still raise people higher than presidents and princes in your kingdom? 
Like, are you still doing something, God, in the church that's exciting enough for us to believe that what's inside us will set us apart above presidents and princes? Like, like God, could you still do it in your church? Could you do it in Belito, God, in 2023? Is it even possible, God, that you would do it in our time through our people in this nation for such a time as this, God? Like, is it even possible that the word according to Daniel is still the word according to us? Like, I don't know how often I hear this. We just, we're just trusting for a change, and we just need, and I'm with you. Everyone's trusting for a change. But can I tell you something more exciting than a changing out there is God challenging it and changing it in here because the kingdom works from the inside out, friends. It's back to front, it's upside down, it's inside out. We sow in famine and we, release, and we receive a harvest in due time. We serve with our time and God restores us in our lives. We give to be refreshed and all these things. And Daniel carries the spirit of excellence. And I, I couldn't help but live in this story and say, God, I wonder if there's something for me in here. I wonder if there's a story of the life I have, wherever I may end up, being counted above presidents and princes. I wonder if, God, you could use ordinary me or my ordinary children or our ordinary church. I wonder if that excellent spirit is in us enough for you to do something in us that's above presidents and princes. And I believe, church, that God is still doing what he did then. And I believe if you were here, just a few encouragements today, that maybe he would awaken in you the reminder that the world is looking for leaders that carry a different spirit. All right, three things we see in the story of Daniel. I encourage you with today. First, we see Daniel that is extremely consistent in his character. Part of the excellence of Daniel's story is that he's so consistent in his character. He's, he's an exile. He's not even part of that community. He's one of the hardest working men in that community. If you go and track his story, uh, you realize that Daniel gave extra to every moment. I think we're living in a world that's giving what we have to. Daniel gave what he had. There's a difference. I'm not just giving what I have to. I'm giving what I have. Not giving what I have to, four-hour work week, giving what I have. I got extra, shout out. And I'm not saying you can't change your lives. All I'm saying is God has put a spirit in Daniel that is exceptional and stand out. And we need to be reminded, friends, that the way of the world is not the kingdom way. There is a story in us that Daniel, he worked hard, he worked long, he, he was faithful in his duties. He served people that he didn't like all the time. Now I'm preaching. And there is, a, there is an invitation to the church to be so consistent in our character that whether we're showing up for the work day that we didn't wish for or whether we're signing a contract we never imagined, we're the same people. We've got the same joy. We've got the same spring in our step and expectation in our hearts and ethic in our lives. You know, as Link experiences wins, if I can call it that, as our church grows, as our foundation reaches and further into the communities and sees lives changed, uh, we don't slow down in the way we show up because now we're winning. It's like it puts an urgency in us to do even greater things with the time God has given us. Daniel had that urgency. His character was second to none. It says this in verse four. This is so beautiful. They saw Daniel was rising to power, the locals. They didn't like it. 
It says, so the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel, as in he didn't do his duties. He didn't show up on time. He didn't, uh, he didn't honor the king concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault against him. I'm not perfect. I mean, I guess you knew that. If you stick around long enough, I'll prove it to you. And here's what I know about you. You're not perfect either. And if we get to know each other, we'll be bitterly disappointed actually behind the scenes. But there is still something profound about the call to holiness that should never leave the church. And I may not be perfect, but I was saved and set apart to be holy. Which means that in ever-increasing measure, even if I have a dip or a, de de or a default to a habit that's unhealthy or I make a decision that I shouldn't have made or say something I shouldn't have said, no matter what happens, there is a repentant heart to me that understands this is not what I'm born to be. And so I'm gonna step out of that, repent of it, and I'm gonna choose Jesus again in the high ground for my life because holiness is still a thing, church. And it's like Daniel... Although he was out of Jerusalem, Jerusalem was still in it. Jerusalem was a holy city. And that holiness was still in his heart. And they could find nothing against him. Now, I'm not saying let's go out to the world and prove that we have nothing of fault. We have faults. But Jesus has set us apart. And every time we realize it's not us proving ourselves to others. It's us stepping into his grace, him approving of us, and us just showing up in humility with consistent character. The world is looking for leaders. Not that today are excited and tomorrow they're angry and the next day they're full of faith and the last day they're over it and just consistent. We're just in it, in, in it to win it, right? Tap your neighbor and say, I'm in it to win it. All right, five people in the room are in it to win it. <laughs> Daniel was integrous. Daniel was hardworking. Daniel was honoring of King Darius. Honor is a big thing. Holiness is still a thing. Like, can I just encourage you, church? Maybe today God just needs to remind you that little niggle, that little nudge, that little call for you to step out and to set your life apart and to choose the high ground again, perhaps. It's still a thing and God honors it and does something with it that you can never imagine. Let's make sure that even though we're outside of Jerusalem, Jerusalem doesn't leave us. Second thing about Daniel is he was courageous in his convictions. If there is a single thought that has been challenged in us in this last five to six years, it's been the convictions we carry. Like, like when I was talking about convictions, I was with a friend recently. We were chatting about family and life, and he said, Dill, I've got a question for you. I said, shoot. He said, what are your top five convictions these days? I was like, can you give me half an hour? I just need to go and do a brainstorm, a little whiteboard session, narrow it down. Because I realized that no one ever challenges us to think that, and yet convictions change everything. Should we read what Daniel did? They come up with a cunning plan. They're gonna get him all messed up and prove that he's breaking the law of King Darius. And Daniel hears about the plan, but he's got convictions, courageous convictions. It says, now when Daniel heard about the written thing that was signed, he went home in his upper room, went to his windows, opened toward Jerusalem, knelt down on his knees three times a day, prayed, gave thanks before God, as was his custom, as was his conviction since the early days. In the Christian faith, just because the narrative of the world is changing doesn't mean we need to renegotiate our convictions. Tolerance is quite a buzzword out there in society these days. 
I'm not going to go into the depths of all the things I think that the church globally is starting to tolerate, but I will say that Link Church has certain convictions. The church is the epicenter of the world. It's God's vehicle for restoration. It's not an afterthought. The family unit is how God birthed the world. Man, woman, children birthed the world and set them apart to be fruitful and multiply. It's a conviction in my spirit. The family unit matters. Generosity is a conviction. The way of our lives is a generous way. The Abrahamic way was a generous way. The church is a generous people. It's a conviction. And while the world starts to pull back, the church just leans in. It's a conviction. What's your conviction? Daniel was courageous in his convictions. Excellent in his spirit, this man that was kicked out of his hometown, lost everything that they'd been given, destroyed, sent off into the distance, into exile, away from Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is still in him, and he's consistent in his character, and he's courageous in his convictions. What a man. And you know the story, right? Daniel gets trialed because he shouldn't have been praying to anyone other than King Darius. That's the weird rule they came up with, and they got him. And Daniel... Didn't really care, right? They took him before King Darius, and Darius said, I find no fault in this man. I don't, I, other than that, he broke that decree, which you, it was like he was frustrated. The king had been put into a corner, and now he didn't know what to do. He said, I, it leaves me no option. Daniel, lion's den. He says he was restless that night. Friends, God will do such a thing in our lives if you catch the spirit of this message. It's not what you do tomorrow. It's just the spirit of how we are tomorrow. If you catch this spirit of character and convictions, God will put us before kings in this world that leaves them tossing and turning, not, to do with, not sure what to do with us because what's in us is so unique, so set apart, so beautiful, so holy, so outstanding that they aren't even sure how to handle it. But he puts them in the den. Daniel goes to sleep. Chamomile tea. Head back. Nice warm pillow, lion's stomach, has a rest, wakes up in the morning. And you know, we read these stories like fairy tales because you can tell them like fairy tales. But when you go to Israel and you speak to Jewish people and you track it back to the stories that actually took place, it's detailed, bit by bit, fact by fact, this is the story of God. Whether you believe that Jesus was the Savior, these stories did take place. And Daniel wakes up the next morning, King Darius comes, one hour open. Hoping that he's okay. Daniel, you down there? Everything okay? Daniel says, yes, my king, as sure as you are alive, I'm still here. God found no fault with me. I'm good. And King Darius smiles as he takes Daniel out because why? King Darius knows like any good leader, he needs men like this in his world. And God knows like any nation that wants to go anywhere, he needs men like this in the nation. And so God rescues Daniel Daniel wins, but it's for God's sake because he needs Daniel in the kingdom. And God will rescue you from lion's dens, church. Everyone got a den. Every now and again, we land up in a den. Teeth, threat, danger, darkness. And yet in that place, God shows him, Daniel, 
I will rescue you and restore you to the kingdom for my sake. This is my story, Daniel, and you're my man, and I will bring you to safety, and I will do something with you, and God is still doing that with people in the church. Not that say, God, I will, that say, God, I hand over my life, surrender to you, do whatever you want with me. If I'm in a den, I'm safe. If I'm in the king's palace, I'm safe. I'm rich, I'm anointed, I'm set apart, I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm all these things, God, no matter where I am, he was out of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem was not out of him. And then it says, the king says, and the man that put me in a corner and Daniel in a corner, now that he's taken his punishment and survived, throw them and their families in the pit. You're gonna read the story. It gets exciting. It says, before they hit the ground, the lion had devoured them. You don't like that part? It's like God says to us, if you walk in my ways and if you trust me and if you believe, if, if there's just an excellence about you, Link Church, don't get caught up in the commentary of what you're doing in the world going, it's too extreme and you shouldn't have done that and you can't be like this and this is not what you're called to be. And just be more tolerant, just be more open-handed, just be, hey, loving is what we're called to be, not tolerant. And it's like we sometimes go, you know what, I'm actually just gonna, I'm actually just gonna soften the extremity of my faith in Christ. It's like, no, guys, the kingdom is extreme. Daniel was willing to go to the den. I just felt to say to you, church, today, like what we've chosen is not a boring path and the God that chose us hasn't chosen us for a boring story. And Daniel gets put as leader of the kingdom. And King Darius says, from now on, in this kingdom, we will fear and revere the God of this man. So let me go back to where I was just now. God, are you still doing this? 2023, lots going on. A lot of debate, a lot of hatred in religious rooms, a lot of discussions about what's right, what's wrong. And I'm Googling everything because I want to know what's going on, but I'm seldom sitting in your word, which is actually the only truth that matters. And yet when I'm in your word, God, you talk about being influential over presidents. Can you still do that, God? Can you still save me from lions' dens? Can you still take the ordinary life that I have, set it apart in such a way that leaders of industry decree that their lives, their, leader, their industry will be affected by and operate around the convictions that I, Dylan, young man in Belito carry? You could, you could do that, God, my children? You're telling me, God, that my kids, one day they leave this church, they find themselves in another church, find themselves in other societies, different convictions, different values, but they're strong. You're telling me, God, that their little lives will be set apart and raised to become influential over presidents and princes? that you will save them from the lion's dens that they face and that you will cause the presence and anointing that's on their life to become the standard of the world that they're in. You believe that, God? And I came out at Dayling Church wanting to believe that He has that for us again. Wanting to believe that the decisions we make are so much bigger than just a good Sunday. He is changing things around us. He's reworking the narrative of nations. He's taking ordinary people like you and I, honestly, in our own efforts, very ordinary. But under His grace, He's causing kings, princes, 
presence, to pay attention, friends. Could it be that the church has a voice into the future of our nation? Still, you know, it'll be so nice if we just, let's pray for our leaders to change. Yeah, let's pray for that. We're the leaders. Let's pray we change. Let's pray we carry what Daniel carried. Let's pray for leaders to change. I'm gonna partner with that prayer, but not for the leader out there that you want to do better, for the leader in here that God has called, the leader in here that God has set apart, the leader in here that is a leader of industry. If you really believe it, you're a leader of industry. God has called you, He's set you apart, He's chosen you. I wrote down in my notes and I write it down probably every five pages in my Bible, the church was not born to be mediocre. Your life was not born to be mediocre. And the last thing we see in Daniel is that he's sure in his calling. Daniel, he was under three kings. He started quite low in the pecking order in all three. And the king would have a dream inevitably and he'd give everyone a go in the kingdom to try and interpret the dream and they all fell. And here's Daniel doing nothing exiled. Someone says, there's, a, there's one God there. I know he's called. He's been called to interpret dreams. And eventually Daniel gets the summons tells the king what the dream's about, gets it right, gets promoted. Next king comes into play. Daniel back at the bottom of the pecking order. Just being Daniel. Out of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem's not out of him. And he knows he's called. It doesn't matter where he is. Can I say this like this? It's not about careers, friends. Careers are where you are in the pecking order and on the food chain. Calling is who you are in Christ. It's different. And so Daniel is as powerful in the king's palace as he is down here because he's called, he's sure of his calling. And I wanna tell you, church, you are called. It may be up today, down tomorrow, but there is a call on your life that is significant regardless of what's going on around you. And then Daniel gets summoned, second king, what's the story? Tells the dream, king says, this is epic, Daniel's a legend. Daniel gets demoted again, third king, gets into power, hears the story, watches his work ethic, sees his character, watches his conviction, goes, this is a man I need in power, brings him to the top, Daniel interprets the dream. But calling will be challenged. The man that put him in a den, didn't like the call in Daniel's life. They wanted to know what the dream meant. They wanted to be the highest. They were career driven. And I know it's not about careers. Praise God you have a good career. But what I'm trying to say is it's not about climbing a ladder. It's about being faithful with where I'm at. It's about choosing God despite what's going on around me. Calling takes us somewhere. Even Jesus had to challenge, be challenged by his calling. Luke chapter four. Jesus says he's in the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown. All the people that know him are around him. And Jesus stands up, gets handed the scroll as is customary. He's a young man in the church, in the synagogue, and he gets handed the scroll and he just does his duty. He reads Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me. That word, anointed me, like stands out to them. Preach good news to the poor. Tell prisoners they are prison. All the things. And he gets to the bottom, he says, and to declare you're a favor for the Lord. Then he rolls up the scroll. He hands it back to the leaders and he sits down as if to say, class dismissed. Now, normally what would happen in Jewish culture is when they'd finished reading, they would sit down and say, hey, what did you hear? How was that kind of to you? What, did you? what did you take out of today's message? And Jesus stands up because he has to become sure of his calling. He's just been filled with the Spirit of God, baptized, and the Father said, this is my son. And I was in the synagogue and he, 
He's aware now of what he's been born for in greater extremes. And so he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. I know who I am. I know what I'm called to. Rolls up the scroll, hands it over, and he says, class dismissed. We're not going to be discussing much today. This is what it's about. And it says, they were amazed at his gracious words, like, wow. And he says, but is this not Joseph's son? That's what they said. Isn't this Joseph's son? See, these were locals. They knew him. This is a little boy who grew up in the home of a builder. Like, yeah, he can lay a good brick and seems to be a nice guy to be around. And his words seem fairly gracious. He's grown up, he's matured, he's got wonderful manners as he read the scroll. Seemed like a good young man. But they suddenly realized what he had said and that he had rolled up the scroll and that he had actually claimed that he was anointed. And they were like, no, what, hang on a second, but that we're not comfortable with. Isn't that Joseph's son? And before they could let Jesus be what he was born to be, they put him back in the box of where he had come from. I want to preach to some people now. Just after that, Jesus goes to Capernaum, performs a miracle. And the men in Nazareth say, why won't you perform miracles here? Do what you did in that other place. And Jesus said, a prophet is without honor in his own town. Because you still call me Joseph's son. You still call me what I was and what I grew up as and the limitations of my earthly inheritance. You still reference me as those things, Jesus said. And so I'm without honor in this context. But he leaves that town and he goes to Capernaum, the place of miracles. And in Capernaum, they see him as the son of God. And there he casts out demons and he heals a woman. Back to back on the story I've just told in Luke 4. And they say they were amazed at his words because they carried authority. This young man, Joseph's son, he's, he's amazing. He's respectful. He's cute. There's amazing things going on. His words are gracious, but he's just Joseph's son. Now, this man carries authority. And guess where the miracles took place? Where they recognized the authority of God and the call of God on Jesus' life. Now, friends, here's what I want to say to some of you in the room today. Sometimes you've got to get out of town. Sometimes you've got to leave the town of familiarity and be about the place that God has called you to be, the people God has called you to be with. Sometimes I'm going to make this practical. Sometimes you've got to leave the conversation that's limiting, to you, limiting you to the life you used to have. You've got to leave that town with courage. I'm called to something else. Daniel was called. Daniel never hung around the satraps and governors that were plotting always to bring people down. He set himself apart. He said, God, I'm called to higher ground. I don't need to be in the right conversations and the gossip chats and the gossip rooms at this rung on the ladder. I just need to be faithful to what you've called me to. Some people in the room today need to get out of the town that they're in. Leave the conversation that you're partnering with. Change the nature of friendships that are reminding you what you were, not who you're becoming. Is this just Joseph's son? Dylan Yonach. Isn't that the guys at Stellenbosch with? Like, leading a church? Isn't, isn't, he, isn't, he just, isn't he just the same guy? Yes, same guy, different spirit. It's a new day. 
And the church needs to be reminded that this whole thing of Christianity is not take the adult dill and mold him into a better version of the adult dill. No, it says you must be born again, which is to birth in me a different spirit and to raise me up in a different way. And yes, I look like the same guy, but I'm a totally different character. Here I'm about career and I'm about gossip and I'm about whatever. And here I'm about calling, about doing what God has called me to do. Some of you are going to get out the town. Okay, I'm going to close. In Zulu, not so long ago, I was on the radio, and I heard a really cool Zulu proverb. And it goes like this. Okay, I got one response in the service. Last service, clearly no Zulu people in the first service. I remember them saying it on radio thinking, that's quite a cool line. And here's what it means directly translated. The leopard spots are the means by which it eats. Or the leopard spots make way for its food. In other words, the way it's wired pays the bills. Or to say it in maybe modern day terms, your talents pay the bills. Your gifts make way for yourself. but you've got to own what's on your life. God has put gifts inside you. I believe this. I don't know that whoever came up with the Zulu proverb, I don't even know, Trev, if they knew what they were coming up with. But I'm going to redeem it in the church today. There is a gift, there is a spot, there is a gift that's on your life, there is an anointing and a call like Daniel had that has been set apart for something that this world needs that leaders of this world need, that governments of this world need. And it will make way for itself, but you have to step into that calling. And you won't pull off that calling hanging around the conversations that keep reminding you what you were. You've got to step into the place where God starts to show you who you are in Him. There's a new day. And I was wondering, like, I wonder if people actually ever use that line. Cool on radio, but like, where else? And I promise you, I was at Discam yesterday. Discam. And there were three guys on the floor in Discam. I was buying who knows what, Future Life Crunch, chocolate edition. And I overheard, I saw these guys packing shelves. They were clearly working for Discam. And two of them were like floor staff. And the other guy had like a manager's tag. And they were, they were bantering. As only like Zulu community can do. It's really cool when you see the way they banter with each other. And like, ah, you know, how did you get here? And, whatever. and the whole conversation was basically going down like, there are three of us. And how did you become like the manager when we all started as floormen? And they were like bantering, but also like a bit irritated, you know? Hey, and this manager, they were packing like a, a one box and then standing and chirping the manager. And the manager was just gradually helping them pack boxes. He didn't matter what he was doing. And they're going and they're going. Eventually he looks at him and he says, Ah, oh, he said, Which is to say, Oh, come on, guys. I was always going to be a manager. He's packing more boxes than they are. He's doing better work than they are, but he's higher on the food chain than they are. He understands. The spots are making way for me. Who I am is starting to make a way for me. Yeah, you are worried about who I am. You learn who you are. You just do the best version of who you are. Can I preach a little bit from a Zulu proverb in Link Church? And it's like the church today is going, oh, I don't know, man. I want to have what they have. I want to I rap like Rash. 
I want to build business like fill in the blank. I want to, I want to build, and you know what? Some part of that's healthy, but more healthy than that is you going, who am I, God? What am I called to? How do I show up as the best version of me? There's a spot for my life that is going to make a way for my future. And the church can get so caught up in everyone else. And friends, as we come off the back of heart for the house, I want to remind you, here comes Daniel. Ordinary guy in the Old Testament story, kicked out of his hometown, but the hometown was still in him. He showed up consistently. He was courageous in his convictions. And he never compromised his calling. If you're an encourager, encourage the life out of your world because the devil's going to come after it. If you're a leader in your industry, lead. Be courageous. Don't look for permission from the room. Lead. If you know you're born to lead, lead. Because the devil's going to come after your confidence and tell you this is not what you're born for. And you need to hear it loud and clear today from my Zulu brother, Ingwe Ihlangamabala. There are spots in you that are called to lead. There are spots in you that are called to build. There are spots in you that are called to have mercy on society. There are spots in you that are called to stand true as a man in the family. If you're called to be a father, be a father. And the world will come and say, you're not a dad. Your sons have walked away from faith. That's irrelevant. If the call of God's life is on you to be a father and to love on young men, you just be faithful with the call of God in your life. If you're called to be a mother, you just be faithful with the call of God in your life. If you're called to be a teacher, yes, they're better teachers. Yes, they're better positions. Yes, they're better authorities. But you just do what you're called to do and it will make way for itself. Amen. Stand with me, church.